0: Hey everybody, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch
1: and this is The Good Life Bo Hunter, the official podcast of the NBA. You bet. It's good to be back, man. How you been? It's not bad. <laughs> Hanging yep. in there. School school and everything. It's going okay. It's but, going all right. It's yeah. flying by. Hard to believe it's February yeah. already. I hear you, man. My kid just turned 4 weeks here on Wednesday. I'm just I know. like Oh, it's crazy. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy for sure, but um, well, we got a good episode here planned for you guys. Um, we've got Melissa Bachman on, um, she's going to be just sharing some excellent stuff with us here later, so, um, look forward to that. Um, <clears throat> we'll just otherwise jump into things here real quick. Zach, you want to, uh, bring us up to date on any NBA announcements, uh, upcoming events? Yeah, so, of course, we got the banquet coming up three weeks from
0: this weekend, I guess. From the time this is released, we'll, we'll be under three weeks, but, uh. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, you can go online, and uh, there's a link on there you can get them. Or the most recent newsletter, there's a you can get your tickets through there. So get those sent in. Don't don't waste any time getting around to it. You aren't going to want to miss like like we said last episode. Nick Munt's going to be here, going to yeah. be speaking, and yep, of course you got the you can bring your trophy down for the trophy wall yep. and
1: definitely do all, that. All kinds We'd... of stuff going on. It yeah, I'd really love to see just like a. Awesome trophy, all this year. Get it, that'd get it, be, it back to like sweet. it used to be. Oh man, it used to be insane, but yeah. yeah.
0: But cool. No. So, so yeah, we got that coming up, and uh yeah, yeah, and there'll be a, a meeting. Yeah, there there will be a statewide meeting. I believe
1: yep. it's six p.m. on Friday, Say, typically. Yep. yep. So. Yep. Perfect. Good. Well, yeah, come on out March 6th and 7th, right? 6th, 7th? sixth and seventh, right? Sixth, seventh, yep. sixth, seventh. Yep. Yep. So that'll be. It's always. Gosh, it's just so much fun. So it is,
0: and. If you've never been there before, it's the Ramada in yep. uh, in Kearney. So those you are get your rooms roommate. if you don't have one. Yeah, know, yeah. Don't be... waste any time. Yep. If, you, if you're going to come, don't waste any time waiting to get a room because they they go quick.
1: Definitely. All right. Anything else with that? I don't think so. Okay. Moving on, let's. Uh, I'm gonna run into the recipe of the podcast here. So um, this is kind of one that I, I tried last fall. Turned out really good. Um, just a basically barbecued, um, sort of like pulled pork, but with venison. Um, and I don't think I've done this one yet. So hopefully, I, I was asking Zach earlier. I was like, "Did I do that one already?" I don't think so. But anyhow, um, basically, all you need. So typically, I do it in a crock pot, um, slow cooker, um, or yeah, whatever slow cooker you want to use. Um, you need about a two to three pound venison roast. Season that however you want doesn 't really matter um because you know you can make your own barbecue sauce which which I did and you can find a number of recipes online for that, so just kind of pick whatever one you know looks good to you if you like it. Hot, fine, do that one if you like it there 's like sweet and tangy there's there 's a number of different ones to choose from, so just whatever. Whatever you like, um use that. But anyhow, so I, I put the roast in. Um I like to sear it on all sides before I s before I put it in the crock pot. So, you know, get a get a pan really, really hot, um put some oil in there, um, and then sear all sides, um, you know, so you get that nice um crust on there, and then throw the roast in the crock pot on low. Um, you know, it's probably gonna take I don't know, six to ten hours for sure um and then the other thing i do too is um take a you know a couple cloves of garlic crush them and then uh you know cut them up into really fine chunks and then also i i like onion so i use a lot of onion so i, I usually put a couple onions in there too but if you don't like onion that much you know just throw one or or zero if you don't want any that's fine um but that just kind of adds flavor to the the whole mixture and then um like I said, so then cook that and then um, make your barbecue sauce, um, whatever, like I said, whatever kind you want. And the, the best thing, I guess, the way that I like to do it is just to put the barbecue sauce in there. Um, and actually I'll take out the meat and the onions and separate them after they've cooked for that long. And then I'll actually dice up the onions even further to kind of make like a, not really like a paste, but almost like a, i don't know what to even call it just like a slurry almost and then and then put that back with the meat and mix it all together and then i just throw the barbecue sauce on it then you may have to get rid of a little liquid sometimes there's a lot of liquid in there but anyhow um yeah i just i i thought it turned out really good when i did it last fall and um i think it's just a good way to use up some some of those bigger chunks you know or um yeah any thoughts on that no sounds good <laughs> yeah so making it was, me hungry to talk about yeah that. for sure it was it, it turned out pretty good i was yeah. pretty happy with it so and it's amazing how many different kinds of barbecue sauces you could find online to oh, make. Yeah. like it's insane but anyhow so um i think that's pretty much it for that so we'll uh i can write up a little snippet about that and have amber post it on facebook yeah, but... if who's ever interested we can get that done so um Perfect. Well, for our next uh, next segments, our trophy wall segment. Um, this week we've got Neil Hahn on here, so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into that. So, all right, guys, for this week's trophy wall segment, we have on NBA member Neil Hahn. Neil, you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, just kind of a little bit of how long you've been an NBA member, what uh, how you how you got to know about the NBA, just those kind of things, I guess, just real quick. Yeah, so my name is Neil. I live in St.
2: Paul, Nebraska. Um, my I've been a long-time hunter, basically, as, since I was old enough to start, but I was always rifle and, and firearm hunter. Um, my wife finally bought me a bow when I graduated from PA school, and I kind of started tinkering around with it. Um, and my wife went to med school with Kyle Klammer, who was doing the interview here, and uh, he kind of got me jump started into actually taking off into bow hunting a little bit more so I've been a member for the last two years um and Kyle like I said Kyle was kind of the guy that kind of got me into knowing about the NBA and and just a little bit more excited
1: and knowledgeable about bow hunting yeah it's been fun for sure man definitely enjoyed uh you know I've enjoyed getting to know you and and definitely just enjoyed being able to share those experiences with you but um, you know, I know we kind of. You got your uh, first bow kill back in 2018, um, and I think uh, we uh, you shot a it's a white tail doe, right, back yep. in 2018. Yep. yep. My wife and I were up in the stand and
2: uh, shot a nice white tail doe at 35 yards, and she ran about another 35,
1: and we watched her go down in the field. So it was a good first bow kill. Yeah, man, that's that was an awesome story for sure. Um and then uh, yeah, talk a little bit. I guess about uh, this year's hunt, Neil. You had a you had a pretty successful, um, although I guess a little bit bittersweet. But uh, um, why don't you just start in on that for us? Yeah, for sure. So Kyle, uh,
2: myself, and another buddy of our, of ours, Brody McCabe, who's an MBA member too, um, have done. This year was the second annual kind of bow hunting camping trip that we've taken. First year, we did a tent camp, and, and this year, we did a little pull-behind pop-up trailer. It was the first
1: snow squall of the year, so it was pretty chilly. Yeah, uh, I was glad we so, had it. <laughs> yeah, you were with us. It, it was, was pretty cool. If we didn't have the propane heater, it wouldn't have been probably as much fun, but no whiskey only keeps
2: you warm for so long. Agreed. <laughs> so we uh, were lucky enough that Kyle and his dad and uncle that own the property up by Ainsworth um, let us come up and hunt there for a few days. Um, so we got up there one evening before the hunt and just set up camp and uh, hung out. Went into the bar and had dinner and uh, came back and just kind of made a plan for the next morning. First morning we went over to some public ground um, since there was some um, bad winds for the farmer farm. So went over some public ground and just kind of spot and stocked up a up a little creek um, and actually had some success we saw two decent bucks yeah i think they're at least they're at least fours
1: yeah, on,
3: yeah. On, on each and one was maybe
1: just a, a shade better than the other yeah well, we uh, figured probably three and a half year old plus yeah somewhere yeah, in that range deer on public ground so that was kind of fun yeah um and oh it was at the end of september Oh no, we were. Was it? Or was it the first of October? Second weekend in March or something like that. I was trying to remember. I think a second weekend in March or no, March. Not, Jeez, m- not March. Not March. March. October. October I, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah I had a, I had my first kid yeah, in first part of September, so dates kind of got messed up. But no, understood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living through that right now, so I know what you mean. <laughs> so we were
2: um, kind of trying to decide what to do. Those bucks didn't smell us, or. We didn't spook them at all, so we tried to sit and rattle and grunt, and they weren't at all interested in the fight, and they just pretty much both bolted at the first sound of antlers. And um, I think we hunted there for a few more hours, and I don't, if I remember right, didn't see any more deer, actually, but kind yeah, of fun to see two
3: decent bucks, you know, and yeah. got excited for the rest of the weekend
2: um, just to see deer moving and some decent bucks that would have been something you would have shot at if we were would have gotten range, but, yep. um, so then we went back to the, to the farm and had some lunch, hung out at the camp, kind of made a plan for the evening, walked around, set up some different stands and looked at some old stands and just tried to get a feel for what we were going to do
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and hung out the rest of the afternoon and evening came and everyone kind of took off to their respective areas on the farm and I ended up on a on kind of the northeast edge of the farm where there's a alfalfa field and I was in a stand just in a deciduous tree kinda of on the edge of the field and <laughs> set up there and
1: Which turned out to be a real good spot by the way. But <laughs> Yeah, it did. Yeah. A couple a couple successes back to back nights there. So yeah. <laughs> So set up and um
2: it was kind of blowing some some snow, pretty decent winds. It was kind of chilly up in the stand. I had a good wind for what I, you know, where I thought the deer might be coming from. And um, oh, the first deer I saw was a little fork forkhorn uh, whitetail, and he came out to my right side, which was my bigger window, and ended up coming right to my tree and to the base of my tree. Uh, one of those things, I if I was eating anything i could have thrown my food at it and just yeah. dropped it down on him he was right right at the base didn't smell me and didn't get spooked so that was kind of a fun encounter
1: yeah
2: and then oh a little later i had a whitetail doe come out the same exact way so i kind of was starting to get a feel like well this is where the deer are going to be coming from is this off to my right and kind of feed out in front of me which would have been about a 20 yard shot which should have been a doable thing um that doe kind of got some swirling wind on me, and she puffed at me and ran off. Um, Then it kind of died down for a little while. And like I said, most of the time I was looking to my right side, because that was where the biggest window was, but there was a small window kind of off to my left, and I just happened to kind of look up and saw two bodies, and I had two mule deer doe out in that alfalfa field feeding, which was kind of, again, Kind of interesting to have two different species of deer on the same field and feeding around you. Where I hunt rifle, it's pretty much whitetail only. So it was yeah, kind of fun to to see some muleys for a bit and and those does that never never spooked or anything, just kind of fed off and um, and then it really kind of died down. It was getting chilly and I looked up clear. I didn't ever range it because my optics had kind of gotten some snow in them but over 200 yards away on a different hillside up against a, a cedar belt I saw decent sized what I knew was a buck and I could see some framed antlers highlighted on the cedar belt and mm-hmm. threw my binoculars up and again I couldn't make it out perfect just because of some snow on them but knew it was probably something if it happened to get to me I'd get a little bit excited about yeah for sure (laughs) we're kind of pushing
3: dark yeah so i figured this year has a long ways to go to get to me
2: um and like i said kind of it was cooled off quite a bit and wasn't really seeing much and first snow squall of the year i was getting pretty chilly and actually to the point where i had maybe 10 minutes of light left and was kind of one of those is it even though it's legal is it still is it still worth being sitting here just because it is getting pretty dark with the cloud cover and stuff. So I was actually getting really close to getting out of the stand
3: Mm -hmm. and just happened to, for whatever reason, look up to my left at that smaller window. And this buck was coming
2: just on a straight line to the tree from (laughs) the edge of the alfalfa field and completely caught me off guard And I could tell it was a decently framed mule deer, yeah, and one that I was going to at least try to get a shot at. So I quick grabbed my bow and made just an obnoxious amount of sound
3: getting my bow off the (laughs) off the branch. Yeah, but the since it was windy enough, it kind of saved my bacon. And I already had an arrow notch, so but I didn't have time to stand, so I just drew from seated. And this, like I said, this thing was on a mission, just coming straight to the base of my tree.
2: And he came into that only window that I would have had a shot at from that left side. And I had to bleat real quick to stop him and zipped one through, went straight through the deer, watched it, good pass through, it looked good. He had the big heel kick and bounded out of the field. So I kind of got a line on where yep. he had gone texted kyle and brody and said that i had shot a mule deer buck so um they were still hunting and once they got out of their stands they just said come back to camp and we'll kind of meet up and make a plan so went back to camp and i think we i don't know we probably went back in looking for him
1: 45 minutes hour later or so yeah i think something like that yep we kind of sat around and had a little celebratory beer i think and i don't know looked at looked at the arrow and stuff and kind of yeah, decided yep. what to do. But. And the more you
2: sit and think about it, your mind kind of keeps telling you different things about what happened, but I was still pretty confident with the shot. just yep. Like I said, it zipped right through, good pass through, um,
3: and just how the deer kicked. So we went back in and started
2: looking where I had shot the deer and where the arrow was, um, and we were just having a hell of a time finding any trail, any any blood any anything but we had you
1: know given the snow another 45 minutes yeah i mean it's virtually a blizzard virtually a blizzard out there i mean (laughs) not more or less like i mean it was maybe not quite snowing that hard but it was pretty pretty tough tracking but yeah so then we we weren't
2: picking up anything so we just went the direction that the deer
1: had gone Mm -hmm. and
2: Oh, I had probably same type of thing. We looked for it for 45 minutes for an, for an hour. Yeah. Um, our buddy Brody had one of those thermal scopes that we were hopefully going to be able to pick him up, but the ground was kind of – it's kind of canyon blowouts with cedars and stuff. And like I said, we weren't really finding anything for height or hair of this thing and yeah. started to c- consider backing out so we wouldn't bump him. Um, because if we would have bumped him out of that, it would have been probably about impossible to find, find him. Yeah. So I went back to the, to the camp and kind of sat around, and had, had some beers and talked and talked about Kyle and Brody's hunt. And
3: mm-hmm. They
2: made their plans for the next day. And I didn't have the greatest time that evening. Just thinking about shot and that my deer was still out there laying somewhere. That's never a good feeling. Um, so the next morning they went off hunting i kind of stayed in my sleeping bag tried to sleep in and and waited for them to get back so we could go kind of hopefully go scour the area again and find him so uh they got back nobody got a deer that morning and we went back over to the area where the deer was or where i would shot him and started looking canvas in the area where he had run and again, 30, 40 minutes of the and we didn't find any sign of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm real discouraged
3: at this point to the point where, you know, thinking I made a bad shot
2: and this thing's just wounded and still running around out there. Um, and I kind of met up with Brody and Brody had said, well, you saw him the night before over on this other
3: hillside, kind of in a different direction. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll double back to the way that they
2: had come from so uh, yeah that sounds like a plan we haven't looked this direction so we crossed one little fence and um i bet it was within a minute i was kind of on the edge of a hillside and looked down below me and saw some fur and there was um two coyotes eating it on a deer yeah. and i didn't have an arrow knocked her out to tried to zip one quick, but they both busted off, and then I could see the rack, and it was the deer that I had shot the night before. So what he had done was bolted out of the alfalfa field, kind of going one direction, and as soon as he cleared the fence, he doubled back almost a 180 of of what he was angling towards. So we were looking in the complete wrong wrong place the first night. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. I, I don't know. What was he, 100 and? 50-ish yards from the stand
1: yeah probably somewhere around there maybe yeah that sounds about right so kind of reassuring it made me
2: feel good about the shot like the deer you know it didn't completely blow out of the country i'm sure he was dead that night yeah but kind of the bummer part of it i've shot deer and found them the next day and had kind of hang quarters eaten into from coyotes and different things but Mm-hmm. This thing was just eviscerated from coyotes. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was basically the head of the deer with the antlers. They had even eaten into the the meat on the lower jaw. We've got some pictures where you can just see the the lower jaws stripped down to bone. Yeah, and it was a little bit of cape left, um, spinal column, ribs, and that was about it. Yeah. Um. So there had to have been just a pile of coyotes on that thing that night because it it was just completely stripped for parts, which I've never seen before.
1: Yeah, it was I pretty. If, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that before either. No, definitely not. It was pretty impressive. I yeah. Of course, of course, I made the mistake of saying you know oh well we never really usually have any problems <laughs> with coyotes and you know <laughs> leaving yeah. deer and stuff, but uh, yeah, obviously I mean, that you uh, be, yeah. been a whole bunch
2: of them. Oh man. Even even later in the week. Um, so anyway, we, we kind of stuck to it and got the deer, found the deer. Yeah. I was committed to that one. Even, even if we didn't find it, you know, it wasn't my form. I probably was planning to just kind of hang it up or at the very least, just sit without my bow just to watch. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of one of those guys. If, if I've shot an animal and I felt like it was a fatal hit,
3: I kind of commit to that and it's either I'll eat my tag or find the animal. So, yep. So we found him, which was nice, but again, kind of a bummer not to
2: get any meat and stuff off him, but, um, got a good European mount on him and kind of some more, I guess, hunting experience for my future and hopefully won't make the same mistakes twice and got some other ideas that, you know, if you're not finding them in the direction that you think it went, yeah, you know, potentially take a peek somewhere completely different because they will
1: double back like that. Yeah, no, it's was definitely a good experience just, you know, on all aspects. I mean, it was a lot of fun just, you know, being able to, for me personally, being able to be there. And, you know, I, we're going to have Brody on one of these next episodes and kind of have him talk about his hunt as well. Because he, he did end up shooting a deer that weekend as well. And But just, uh, you know, spending time with you guys out there and both of you killing your first bucks with a bow, that was really cool. And, you know, just we learned a lot of stuff just, I don't know, about, like I said, you know, you're exactly right. Like, you know, sometimes deer don't do exactly what you expect. And sometimes deer do exactly what you expect, you know, <laughs> like, yep. like yep, Brody's, sure. you know, I mean, his, his, I mean, geez, didn't run what a hundred yards and probably died. And, you know, it yep. just was like, I don't know. I just, you just never know. So, and, yep. and not that yours ran that far. It just, you know, we just, it was tough tracking. We couldn't find any blood and, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's always hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, I kind of made the decision just that I said, you know, let's just back out, and so I don't know. Hopefully, you, hopefully you don't hate me for that, but it was just kind of no, we one just of those deals. But needle in a haystack
2: that night, without finding any trail, it wasn't.
1: Yeah, and I mean is potentially bumping it, so it's not worth. Yeah. Wasting I mean, any more time. And yeah, then, you're already back, at a...
2: Back to the coyotes out yeah. on the Palmer farm that Cal oh, said. Yeah there wasn't very many of uh-huh. so there was two on my deer when i found it and then i think the next night kyle said he was sitting in a stand and heard four kind of each direction
1: oh, distinct yeah. pack howls of coyotes yeah
2: and then the next oh i think the the night before we finished hunting our last evening hunt brody shot his buck and we kind of did the same thing came out for gave the deer you know 30 40 minutes and then went back in and kyle and i just we're already hearing coyotes yipping yeah. and howling so we just went straight to that sound and found the deer so
1: yeah there, we didn't even was, bud trail it it's just was like a pile of dogs out there for sure yeah it was just like go towards the coyote howls yep. and yeah all of a sudden there was the deer it was i mean yep. the coyotes weren't on it yet but it was yeah pretty crazy but yeah 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 man that was uh that was a fun weekend a couple of nice deer and Some good company for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think the year before our first
2: kind of annual deer camp, I don't – everybody saw deer, but it was pretty dang slow. Yeah, It was kind of a complete opposite of what this year was. Everyone was seeing
3: deer a lot heavier this year. Last year was kind of one of those where you're just sitting in the tree Mm -hmm. looking at trees and squirrels there. Just wasn't a lot of deer
2: movement last year, so –
1: yeah, I think the cold weather probably helped us out some. And yeah, was, for sure,
2: got them on their feet. So yeah, yeah, it was a good trip. Hopefully, we'll keep that tradition up. And
1: yeah, I think, think we got plans for next year already. I think we're yep. planning to. Well, I mean, if we can get drawn, I guess, but hopefully, we're going to be end up hunting in Iowa at some point next year yep. or or yep. this year, I guess. So that should be good. But yeah, and then we—I <laughs> don't know—you and me started putting in preference points for. Uh, Wyoming elk and antelope and deer
2: and we're going to try to start spreading out a little bit and I think this coming spring we're going to do another little bow hunting turkey camp up in northeastern
1: Nebraska at Brody's Grandparents Farm so yep yeah that'll be that'll be a good time I'm excited for that already so but uh. yeah for sure so
2: just good to get out with friends and enjoy the outdoors and kind of learn from each other and
1: yeah. each
3: other's experiences so
1: definitely for sure man well well thanks neil sure appreciate you coming on and just sharing your story and yeah just we're we're glad that you're a uh, part of the NBA now and just i mean i think you've had fun at the banquet and stuff and i think just enjoying bow hunting and i just uh yeah it's been it's been good so look forward to many more uh many more memories anyway so it'll be good yeah Yep, for sure. So we'll plan to see everybody on the 7th and Kearney and have another good banquet this year. Yep, sounds good. Thanks for being on, Neil. All right, you bet, Kyle. We'll talk to you later. Yep. And again, uh, uh, thanks to Neil for being on for our Trophy Wall segment again. And so um, really appreciate all the NBA members that have been on and, and we will continue to get more recorded and hoping to uh, – hit up a bunch of you at the banquet and get a bunch of hunting stories recorded. And then I'll have a nice little surplus here that we can place in there anytime. So, um, anything else with that, Zach, I guess that's, um, moving on again, listener emails, questions, still, still, still none. So (laughs) I mean, we, we do get some feedback from some people, but um, it's not like we haven't heard anything from anyone, but anyhow, just if you, if you think about, think about sending anything in or any, any comments you have, just feel free. We'd, um, again, our, um, our email is anybowhuntpodcast at podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, you can also post on, write us on Facebook through the Nebraska bow hunter associations, Facebook page or whatever. Um, a quick, quick plug. I would also, um, anybody, we are starting up an Instagram account as well. Um, and so, Quick plug for that, um, if you guys haven't haven't liked that or um, follow that. I guess it's not a like on Instagram. Is it a follow? A follow. Yeah, follow. So. <laughs> Anyhow, so follow that. We'll be starting to post things on that here before long. I think yeah. Zach's heading that up, right, Zach? Yep, we're going to be, I mean, we'll be posting all kinds of stuff. We're
0: hoping to, I mean, we'll have stuff on there from NBA events to, I mean, even highlight member success and uh, stuff with the podcast. So I, I think it'll be good. Yep. I mean, it's a... Uh, for sure. Instagram is one of those social media platforms where you can really promote yourself. So I think it'll be good for the NBA to get Definitely. their name out there. So Agreed.
1: So, um, Perfect. And with that, I think we'll go ahead and we'll jump into our segment here with, with Melissa. All right guys, for this week we have on Melissa Bachman here. So Melissa, you want to say hi and just uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll go Well, from thank there.
4: you guys so much for having me. I sure do appreciate it. I'm the host of Winchester Deadly Passion and I'm uh, looking forward to talking with you guys and just appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. We thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule.
4: No problem at all.
1: Yeah, so- Uh, Why don't you just go ahead and give us a brief rundown where you grew up, um, where you live now, just a little bit about yourself.
4: So I grew up in central Minnesota. Um, I was raised in a really little town. In fact, we got to take off school for deer hunting, and that was completely acceptable. Um, It was just awesome. In fact, in my high school, I had enough credits to actually graduate early, so they allowed me to have a work permit my senior year. So every day I got to go to school two hours late throughout the whole fall. So I could go bow hunting in the morning. So um, it kind of shows you what kind of family, what kind of community I'm from. Um, We were hunters since I was a little kid. Since I was three, four years old, my dad would bring home coyotes or deer, and our whole family would get involved in it. And I just loved it. In fact, in Minnesota, you weren't able to hunt big game until you are 12. Well, by the time I was 12 years old, I was so excited and ready to go hunting. I couldn't even sleep the night before. I had drawn out all these little pictures and maps telling my dad where we should hunt first and the order what we should do all the little drives and everything. And I'm sure he's thinking, what kind of a daughter have I raised? <laughs> um, but it was we really, really enjoyed it. And um, I actually moved to South Dakota. I live in south central South Dakota. My husband is a game warden here, and we absolutely love it. Um, we've got a, a little boy. He's a year and a half, and he's getting ready to uh, get out hunting himself. And we have three older kids that are into hunting and love it. And we even got every one of them a turkey this year. So they're 8, 10, and 12. So makes it a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. No kidding. South Central, South Dakota. That's pretty close to where Zach and I are from. So we're from. Yes, I love it. It is a beautiful area. You bet. Out here. You bet. So. Um, Anyhow, well, yeah, that's great. Um, Thanks for sharing. That's, I mean, awesome that getting the kids out and everything too. I mean, that's definitely what it's all about and just having fun with family and enjoying time in the field. So, Uh Um, Melissa, we were just kind of running through our list here. Why don't you just talk about some hunts from last fall um, and just maybe some memorable ones with, um, specifically with your archery equipment. And I know it looked like you would had a, um, killed a nice bull in South Dakota, is that right? Or you want to tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, um, my husband and I actually drew tags. Um, for, um, it was actually a a bidding system, so it's on the Rosebud Reservation, and we went elk hunting, and the crazy part is I didn't plan on having our son right beforehand, so I had him August 20th, and I was planning on being out elk hunting, September 1st. Um, So I was. A little change in plans, but it actually worked out great. We just had phenomenal elk hunting. My mom and dad came and took care of Jack's, and I went out our first day hunting. I think we hiked 16 miles, um, Mm -hmm. and I was Thinking, I'm not sure I should be doing this already, but nothing like getting right back into it, and we really hunted hard, and we ended up getting two really nice bulls, and we got them you know, a ways in, and we had a big pack out. It just was an incredible experience, and the crazy part is my husband actually killed his on his birthday that morning, and he called me just to help pack it out. And he said, just throw your bow in just in case. And I thought, well, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And so I threw my bow on my pack, went in, we're skinning his, took his pictures. We hear another bull bugling. And we went in, and we got that bull, and I ended up killing him. And he looked at me, and he said, do you want to go after him? I said, absolutely.
3: <laughs> so um,
4: we made it work, and you know, it was just an incredible feeling to have put in so much time, not only hunting, but scouting and pictures and, and just doing all that. And to see it come full circle, it was, it was a pretty awesome experience.
1: No, that's was that up? In, did you say that was kind of by the Black Hills or more? Uh, that's more in the southern, southwest, southwest part of the part. state. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, if
0: I if I remember reading right, your husband's was the state record, wasn't it, or is it? Yes, it was.
4: It, um, not the one that we got this year, but. Four years previous to that, he had actually shot the and it's still the South Dakota archery record, um, so that bull's right in the middle of our uh, living room and um, now we got some other ones that are just beautiful bulls as well, but that one scored a little bit better so it's just a, a neat, neat experience, and you know a lot of that is putting in so much time you know it's not something you just go out and get lucky um, we we really do a ton of scouting and because we live in this
1: area, we're able to, and I love that part of it sure. No, that's, that's awesome. The, you know, you don't always think of South Dakota and elk going together, but people don't always think of Nebraska and elk going yeah. together either. So that's, that's pretty cool. So excellent. But, um, Talk about uh, any other hunts you went on last fall or any other fun things um, that you want to share? That'd Well, be... usually we, we go
4: after and, you know, we put in a lot of time whitetail hunting as well. And um, this year we had a, we had two really nice bucks on camera that we were in hopes of trying to get during archery season. And it's one thing to get pictures, but it's another thing to, you know, make everything happen. Every bow hunter knows that. And I had put in a ton of time in October. And toward the end of the month, I actually had a close call with this buck. He was about 60, 65 yards, but didn't give me a broadside shot. He was just facing right at me kind of looked around. I had a decoy out. For whatever reason, he didn't come in, and he left, and I thought, you have got to be kidding me. That was my one chance. It's not going to happen this year, you know, but I just kept after it. And then November came, and all of a sudden, the rut started kicking in, mm. and I got on a really, really lucky streak. Um, and a lot of that luck, too, is because I had put in so much time scouting and getting everything ready in the off season. but I ended up taking four really nice bucks in seven days um so it was just a really cool thing but the best part is is on the last buck we had taken a nice buck in south in montana we rattled him in and it was probably about five o'clock we were wrapping everything up and i looked at my cameraman and i said we've got to drive home we got to get back to south dakota we've got five point pictures of that buck coming in in the daylight he's like are you kidding me so get ready to have dinner and go to bed and I'm saying we're gonna drive eight hours get home super late and be out hunting at the crack of dawn (laughs) I kind of felt bad but I said now's the time we have to do it and you know what at 10 a.m that morning I was able to take that buck and it was just an incredible deal um you know to put in that much time and and to have that much good luck is always fun but you know it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of time in the field and it just all paid off and you know i can't ever remember a whitetail season being so great but this one really was one to one
1: to remember forever yeah no, know those are all really nice deer i was just glancing quickly refreshing my memory through your instagram and man there's just a lot of nice whitetails on that so <laughs> that's really yeah, cool we had a good time and then we got lucky
4: late season too you know i kept after it and Um, We had a couple of close calls, and I had a muzzleloader tag, and, you know, we even sat through uh, uh, some snowstorms and blizzards and ice storms trying to get out there, and I'd already used my archery tag, so I was just looking at what tags I still had left in my pocket and how we could fill them. So, when it's hunting season, I'm usually out there most of the time.
1: (laughs) Definitely.
0: Yeah, so, Melissa, you said you have a show, um... I guess you're the first guest that we've really talked to, um, that's had like a major show. Are there, are there any challenges that you find yourself running into, like trying to film some of these hunts? Do you, you know, still go on a few hunts where you aren't filming? Uh, I guess just talk a little bit about the filming experience and how that's kind of changed how you've hunted, I guess, since you started. Mm-hmm. So I started hunting, you know,
4: when I was younger, and of course I did not film those hunts, but when I got done with college, I had a pretty good idea of this is really what I wanted to go into, and unfortunately nobody would hire me, um, I couldn't find a job, so I decided to work as a free intern at the North American Hunting Club, and my goal was to just get my foot in the door, do whatever they needed, and I was a cameraman and an editor, and I worked for free for four months. I drove 150 miles a day back and forth, um, just trying to get my foot in the door, and then I had to work a job at night to pay for the cast and to pay for my room. Um, So it was a challenge, but what it did is it allowed me to learn a lot, to be able to go to some great places. And how they had it set up is if I worked 30 days straight, I got five days off. So I would take those five days, and then my goal was to go out and to film a show. Now, I didn't have any money for paying – for things, going to outfitted places. So what I would do is I'd kind of barter. I would tell people, I'll do a promo video at your camp for you. You know, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll help set stands, You know, whatever I could do to kind of get my foot in the door, and I did that. And it, it worked out. I started getting some nice animals on the ground and, and some good footage to go with it, but still nobody really wanted the footage. So in my spare time, I would edit those shows together, have them all ready, cut to time, and then wait till someone didn't get their show done, and then I'd offer mine up for free. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. I did that enough where then all of a sudden some of the sponsors were saying, well, what about that Melissa? (laughs) No, no, she's just a cameraman. Well, that's kind of how I got my start, and then I ended up breaking away and and starting my own production company. So back to your question, I film pretty much every single hunt that I do. Um, Because I produce shows, um, my show's on 52 weeks a year, so I try to get between 20 and 26 new episodes a year. Um, a lot of people out there have numerous people on their staff and kind of helping and, you know, numerous personalities on the show. For me, it's it's just me and my little dog Porkchop. Um, so I really have to make it count. So pretty much every hunt I go on, it is filmed. Um, and I enjoy it. That's what I love now. To me, it's it's adding to that challenge. It's making it even a little bit more difficult, um, but a lot of it, you learn things. I've got a really, really great cameraman um, from Arkansas who's filmed me almost the entire time, um, I think for the last 10 years, and it's uh, it's you're only as good as your weakest link, right? So, to make sure that you've got a really good hunter with you, that you can bounce ideas off, that's not going to be a hindrance to the hunt. Um, I've really had great luck with it and and we have a small crew it's just him and i and, and pork chop that's it um so i think that's important too and you know i'm really trying to get nice big mature animals and and i've had a lot of success and i just love it that's all i've ever wanted to do i used to joke that i want to hunt 365 days a year uh the last probably eight years i've traveled about 320 days a year i think that's funny <laughs> i don't think i need to go with the full
1: 365 but i really do enjoy what i do now oh, that's awesome that is yeah, no, very cool. Very cool. Um, Melissa, we were, Zach and I were just kind of chatting earlier. Um, you know, and we were just discussing a little bit about how, you know, it seems like just recently, especially within the last, and I mean, maybe this is just us imagining it, but it sure seems like within the last five to 10 years, it seems like there's been a definite surge in just seeing women in the outdoor industry. Um, just, can you, talk about like what that means to you or if if that's kind of something that that you see and agree with or or what are what are your thoughts on that I guess
4: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to be raised in a family where my mom hunted. We were It didn't matter. Guys, girls, everybody went and hunted, even my grandma hunts. Um, but that's not always the case. So yes, it has been awesome to see. There has definitely been a surge in, in more women. And when there's more women, then there's more families. And yeah. honestly, a lot of guys are finding out that if you can involve your wife and the entire family or your girlfriend, you get more days in the field and definitely. you get more fun spent <laughs> towards hunting. Yeah. Um, so really, it's a win-win for everyone. Plus, I mean really that time in the field and spending that with your family it is priceless it's things that you always will remember still to this day when we're sitting around on Christmas my parents and my brother and I will talk about old hunting stories those are things that we did together and always always remember Um, so I think that it is really important and it's awesome to see I do everything I can in my show to to try to help new people into the industry whether it's women, kids, whatever I've always been someone that I say, you know what? I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a hunter out there. I've got to put a lot of time in. So if people have questions, I'm always willing to help and do anything I can. I actually have a segment in my show called Memory Chase, where any kids who are 18 and under can submit their footage for a chance to be featured on my show. If they get selected, I pick 10 a year, they win a $1,500 prize pack, a brand new um, mission bow. They get all these cool things. So, you know, it's just a a nice, fun way to, for me to use my show to try to get more people
1: involved as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah,
0: that's that's great. You you know, you talk about making memories with, with your family and stuff and getting everybody involved. And, you know, that's what it's all about. I guess if... Do you have any do you have a favorite hunt or favorite memory from hunting that you'd want to share with us? I know it's probably hard to top you and your husband killing those bulls in in your home state <laughs> yeah. there but uh but uh, is there any hunt I mean with your kids or anything that or even like your most your most challenging one, maybe, uh-huh. that you'd want to well, share? Well, I think probably um, all the hunts I've done, I've had a lot of just wonderful experiences. But probably one of my favorite was
4: one that I wasn't actually hunting at all. Um, I had actually been doing a favor for my parents and going through and digitizing a bunch of old tapes they had. And I was going through and I saw all these people with a mule deer and it was actually my grandpa and grandma when they were in like their thirties on this old, old tape. And I'm like, this is so awesome. So I called my grandma. She's like, Oh yeah, I shot a couple of big bucks. And then the boys never took me again, hardly. And I said, well, grandma, do you want to come now with me? And she's like, well, sure. So at 79 years old, I brought her out to Colorado with me. Um, we went to Story Creek Outfitters, one of my favorite places I mule deer hunt every year, um, right around Halloween and we had such a wonderful trip. It was all spot and stock. She did amazing, and we ended up with one of the biggest deer I've ever left there with, and we just had an incredible time together, and it's something I'll never forget because the message was so awesome. It was for everyone that you're never too old to get back into it or to get into it in the first place, you know. My grandma's out there at 79 getting after it, shot a big buck, and We just had so much fun, and, you know, she enjoyed every part of it, from the hunting to just seeing the countryside to having fun with our guide. The whole experience was really something neither of us will ever forget.
1: Yeah, that's – wow, 79. That's impressive. That's crazy. I (laughs) hope I'm still out doing spot and stock hunts
3: at 79. That I can promise. No kidding. Yeah. it's
1: pretty incredible. (laughs) For sure. Um, You know, talking about, uh, you know, your your – um, your grandma and, um, you know, that's, that's excellent. Kind of switching gears on you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what your approach to, you know, getting your kids into hunting and, and what, what types of things you like to do with them. I know you mentioned that you, you know, take them out turkey hunting. You guys all shot turkeys last year. Just maybe touch a little bit on that if you wouldn't mind.
4: Uh Yeah, one of the things that I've always been a firm believer of is not pushing kids. So I grew up in a family where hunting is what we wanted to do, right? But I sometimes see families who, you know, make the kids go out and do something, and they don't really want to, and they might do it for the time being just to appease their parents, but they don't really love it. So my approach has always been to try to make it fun, to try to make it really enjoyable for them. So one of the first things I always tell people is if you're going to take your kids, try to take them one at a time. Make it all about them, the entire higher experiences about that one child at that time and they feel like you know this is their time and I think that's really important the other thing is to be cognizant if it's if it's cold out if it's bad weather how much game you might be able to see you know kids they don't care how big the deer is right mm-hmm. um, when I was uh, starting off hunting I used I'd shoot small does I mean they were fawns no question about it I didn't care as long as my parents were proud I was proud so I think that's something to remember for parents too that it's not about trophy hunting when these kids are young it's about them having a good time being safe learning out there and you know just really enjoying that time with you and they just want you to be proud of them so really being aware of that and and making sure they're having fun and it's enjoyable and sometimes if the weather turns bad and they're too cold it's time to go in um, we did a hunt this year with max it was his first deer hunt and I about called it because it was so cold and he was freezing and so I lined it up. Ben took off his coat, I took off mine, I gave him my gloves because he lost a glove along the way, trying to make him comfortable. And luckily, we stuck it out just long enough. We finally got a deer to come by right within range made a great shot, and he was so proud and so happy. Um, So, you know, sometimes you got to just kind of take each case in a case-by-case situation, but, you know, turkey hunting is a great way. It's a lot of interaction. It's fun, Um, whether you're in a blind or out stalking around, um, just, you know, educating the kids, telling them what is going on, why you're making the calls. Let them call. Um, A lot of people forget that, and, you know, they're so serious about trying to get a turkey, and who cares? Let them do some calls when, you know, you think there might not be anything around. And and then if something calls back, I can promise you those kids are going to say, they heard my call, and, you, you know, just go with it, and it really does make for a good experience, and, and that's what it really should be about, regardless if it's kids or someone new getting involved, being aware of making it fun and giving them the right equipment. You know, the last thing I like to see is someone give a kid a big caliber rifle with a lot of recoil, and they get scoped in the face. Nobody's going to want to shoot again if that happens, mm-hmm. so really being aware and, and showing them, you know, maybe shooting the gun first so they can see, and then walking them through it and and again making sure it's something with very little recoil or if it is a turkey gun you know we usually use shot first or something lighter and then when it's time in the field when they're in front of a turkey they don't notice the the kick quite
1: as much yeah no all all excellent points for sure i was definitely thinking i mean you know turkey hunting for sure is one that i think oh, it's yeah. excellent to for little kids just like you said you <laughs> know you can take them out and you know it's a lot of interaction. If you mm-hmm. if you think there's nothing around, let them call here and there. Sometimes I do that with some of my buddies too. If I think there's nothing around, just let them <laughs> call. Letting, but letting go no, ahead. anyhow. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, awesome. Well, Melissa, I know I know you're kind of on a, a tight schedule here, and so I just wanted to say that we just you know really appreciate you coming on. Um, do, you, do you have any closing thoughts or just anything else that you'd like to share with us this evening?
4: Well, I just appreciate you guys again yeah i'm not very far from you and we live in one of the best areas in the entire united states in my opinion you know i absolutely love it out here not only do we have great hunting we've got some of the best people and um i was down there not too long ago at the show and and really enjoyed it you know just appreciate you guys having me on and if anyone ever has any questions they can go to my website melissa and there's a contact form you shoot me an email Comes to my phone and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. I try to answer every single person, so um, you know anything at all. Just get in touch and and appreciate everyone's support
1: and for having me on. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, anything else, thank Zach? You. I don't think so. So excellent. Well, that's uh, we Melissa Bachman. So thanks again, Melissa. Appreciate it. So thank you for having me. All right, guys. So for this week on our Meet an NBA member, Meet an NBA. Member segment. We've got on Trent Tobiasen here, so thanks, Trent, for being on. We appreciate it.
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just kind of open things up here. We'll just have you go ahead and introduce yourself, and uh, just you know where you're from, where you live now. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Um,
5: I guess my full name is Trent Neil Tobiasen. I grew up in Shatter, Nebraska. Uh, population of a little over 5,000 people at that time. Um, currently, I live 20 miles from Shadron. I live in Hay Springs, Nebraska. Uh, we've got about 540 people in town right now, so uh, real small town. Uh, I graduated from Shadron High, and I went to uh, college at Shadrion State College. Uh, for a while. And then I ended up getting a job with the uh, telephone company, uh, which is my current occupation. I work for Great Plains Communications, and uh, I do uh, what they call central office work. I'm a central office technician, and uh, basically I take care of the offices, uh, the fiber transport, and um, the high data lines, basically high data circuits, uh, all the way from Northwest Nebraska, basically, I cover all the way from Ainsworth to uh, Morrill, so pretty big area that I cover there.
1: Yeah, Um, no kidding.
5: (laughs) Yeah, family, my family, I guess, both of my parents were born and raised in North Platte, Nebraska, and um, I've got one brother and one sister. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Cammie, for 20 years, and we've got four children. Uh, my oldest is uh serving in the marines right now he's been in a little over a year and he's in camp pendleton uh camp pendleton in california there and then i've got uh, one daughter she's a sophomore in high school this year and then two boys um an eighth grader and a sixth grader so
0: awesome that's that's perfect so, got a little bit about you, and we'll get into some of your bow hunting stuff. How long have you been bow hunting? Uh,
5: probably about 30 years. Uh, I started when I was 10. Uh, we moved out. My parents moved out to about uh, an acreage east of Shad in there, and I kind of started there. I was using my dad, I had a couple of old bows, and a couple of arrows, and when I lost those arrows, we ended up making something from willow branches and stuff on the creek anyway that uh that's kind of how i started 10 years old just had a blast
1: with it so that's awesome making it making arrows yeah. out of willows that's pretty impressive Oh <laughs>
5: well, that and mulling plants you know just oh yeah
1: <laughs> whatever yeah. was flat you bet um trent did you have any mentors when you were first starting out or who'd you kind of who, who sort of helped you out or you looked up to i guess or well, I, I
5: guess my dad was my mentor. I always kind of looked up to him. He, he bow hunted when he was uh, growing up and in high school and college. And, his, and um, so he'd always tell stories of, of deer hunting in canyons around North Platte there. And uh, I just, it just fascinated me. And so anyway, I got to, like I said, I started with his old bows and all uh, well, his... <clears throat> My first hunting bow was a 40-pound Kodiak uh, bear that was his at one time, and then uh, oh, I shot that for a couple of years. And I bought my own compound bow from uh, a guy by the name of Norm Martin in Shattuck. He had the only archery shop in the area. Uh, mostly traditional is what he uh, what he likes to do, but so uh, Norm kind of mentored me also.
0: Awesome, excellent. What would you say your uh, favorite bow hunting memory is? Oh,
5: that's a tough one. I've been blessed with a lot of a lot of really yeah. neat things, but um, probably probably the most awesome uh, memory that I have is drew uh, I drew an ibex tag in the Florida Mountains down by uh, Deming, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and it was actually my second one. Uh, I had drawn one. I had drawn one two years before that, and uh, went with my dad and a friend, and, and I was lucky enough to get one the very first day. And the success rate with archery is two so percent. I was going to say, thing. I thought it was dumb luck, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to draw the archery tag again uh, two years later, and I went with my dad and my brother at that time, and. Uh, almost got it done the first day again um but didn't quite work out and we ended up hunting for about i think it was day four uh we had uh took half a day where we had a whole bunch of them kind of work into us we got stuck down and ended up getting one and uh, just before dark and so you know that whole trip to do that twice and then to have my dad and my brother with me um Share it was. I was just over the top with
1: it, so pretty incredible. No, oh, that's
0: awesome. That's amazing. It's amazing. Those ibex hunts are something else. Like you said, success
1: rates around two percent. That's that's pretty cool. Definitely. Trent, what would you say your favorite animal is to bow hunt, and why? Um. Well, I'm gonna. I
5: can't pick. I guess between i've got two favorites um that's all right you, you can know, have I, two i grew up cut my teeth uh, on spot and stock mule deer here in
1: mm-hmm. northwest
5: nebraska and i i still just i eat that up to this day i just love it um but you know as i grew up and was able to you know go out of state and hunt elk yeah. uh, it's it's absolutely incredible hunting elk in the rut um you know and they're screaming back and forth and you can call them in you know that's just pretty amazing as well
1: definitely absolutely
0: um what's one animal you've always wanted to hunt but haven't hunted yet
1: Is my next dream hunt so awesome yeah definitely always sounds like a pretty cool hunt it's one on my bucket list too oh, yeah. for sure but
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think it definitely cracks the top five about any bow hunters list so yes sir yeah
1: sorry if you hear the dogs whining in the back trent i think my wife might be home or something but <laughs> anyhow um, hey, uh, Trent, who would, I mean, we kind of talked about who you had for mentors growing up, but who would you say is your bow hunting role model?
5: Well, see, I graduated high school in 97. And so back then, I guess Chuck Adams was pretty big and, uh, Tom Miranda was just kind of up and coming. And, uh, I remember watching trapping videos of Tom Miranda up and, uh, south dakota and he's really progressed big time but i would say uh i would say those two guys uh, were probably my bow hunting role models uh, growing up
1: yeah no they they're both uh definitely people to look up to oh, for yeah. sure i would say they've definitely left their mark on archery and and just hunting in general for sure so that's that's good choices i would say so absolutely. <laughs> how long have you been an nba member trent
5: hazen howard got me started and uh, you know he just <clears throat> he loved the club and got me involved and and i loved it as well so i'm proud to be a proud to be a member
1: and a part of it yeah well we we're sure glad to have you a part of it for sure so it's uh yeah definitely a good good organization to be a part of so
0: oh yeah that's yeah, sure what would you say your favorite nba memory is
5: oh uh, would be i would have to be my first halsey jamboree um I'd never really, I'd been to 3D shoots, but I'd never been to one, you know, as, as neat as the Jamboree. And, uh, you know, with, with the games and the meat swing and, uh, you know, the amazing 3D ranges, those guys do a great job of setting those up. And uh, uh, just the camaraderie between everybody. I mean, everybody's your friend. Everybody likes to visit. And uh, so that, that would be probably my best experience
0: oh yeah I think, think uh, any any NBA member can probably say the Jamboree is probably the highlight oh, yeah. for the year every year for, for, for NBA sure. events but uh, you kind of talked about how you know the camaraderie is a big deal in the NBA and that's kind of what it's known for I guess talk a little bit about how the NBA's influenced you I mean you touched a little bit earlier on it but feel feel free to expand on that
5: sure Yeah. you know the Nebraska Boat Hunters Association is a great club uh, like I said its members are second to none just a great bunch of people and when I first started into the you know when I first started into the club I didn't realize um, you know how influential the the, uh, the association was as far as standing up for hunters rights and watching out for you know laws coming down the pipe and they just they really stand up for, for not just bow hunters rights but all hunters rights you know and, and especially
0: in the state of Nebraska so oh yeah absolutely well to on a on a kind of a different note you want to give us two interesting facts about yourself not related to bow hunting that you want to share with us <laughs> um
5: yeah I guess a couple of couple of deals they're both kind of related but um, I, I went. Uh, I became bald at the age of 16 uh, when I was in high school. And my hair just all fell out. I've been bald ever since. So, um, I guess the reason why is I've got a uh, overactive immune system, and sometimes it gets uh, it gets tricked into fighting its own self. And so, um, with that being the case, when I was oh, when I was probably seven or eight. Uh, I just got debilitated into the hospital to where I almost had to be on a uh, uh, ventil, you know, a breathing machine. Which luckily that didn't happen, but um, they figured it out. And so, <clears throat> over the course of my life, you know, that's hit me a couple times, and I've had to, I've had to relearn how to, relearn how to walk twice. You know, it just got so bad that you know, therapy and everything else. But it's all because of an overactive immune system that I have
1: wow that's yeah it's well, that crazy. is interesting yeah <laughs> well, the sure. upside
5: to that is i don't get sick very often so <laughs>
1: well, there you go yeah it's ready to go right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well uh you have any
0: advice you'd have for up-and-coming bow hunters um
5: yeah i guess you know for the for new bow hunters, you know, regardless of their age, but especially the younger, the younger, uh, younger people coming in, I guess I would, I would say have fun with it, you know, and be safe. You know, when I was, there's a lot that can go wrong, you know, and and when I was little shooting them old bows, you know, it's lucky I didn't have something happen, you know, maybe with some of the stuff I was using, but, um, you know, Try to be safe and keep it classy, you know, with all the, with all the social media and everything else, you know, it's, that stuff can get spun way out of, you know, way out of, uh, you know, just blowing up. And uh, so I would say, you know, just be careful of that and uh, share the fun and the experiences with, with your family and friends that, that just makes it. For me you know that just puts it over the top and yeah. uh and don't be afraid to ask for help you know there's so many of of us other members and, and uh you know we'd love to love to mentor somebody it could be that we just don't know that you need our help and so you know just just don't be afraid
1: to ask for help and, and ask somebody to to uh give you a hand that's a great point Trent and I think you know that's good for a lot of people to hear, too. Sometimes, you know, I just feel like we get so so caught up. And, I mean, there's, you know, you can figure out so many things online and YouTube and this and that. And, you know, we kind of just forget that, hey, maybe just ask somebody over here. They, You know, they've been doing this for a while. They might know a thing or two, you know. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they'd love to help, too. I guess they, yep. they just probably
5: don't realize that, that it's
1: wanted. So. Yeah, exactly. So. Excellent. Um, so. Any other things you, you want to... Share with the NBA about yourself, Trent, or any closing thoughts that you have. Um,
5: you know, I sure enjoy our club, and, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody at the uh, at the banquet here, uh, the first part of March. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it, I guess.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, a little teaser. We're gonna we're gonna see if we can get uh, Trent's lion hunt, um, kind of that uh, that whole story, recorded on our. On one of these upcoming podcasts here so just throwing a quick plug for that so yeah <laughs> sounds anyway. good perfect well thanks so much trent we sure appreciate it and um like i said uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the banquet so all right well thank you guys yeah, thanks
5: yeah
1: all right again thanks to trent for being on for our meet an nba member segment there so um yeah i think with that though that's uh Pretty much it, Zach. You got I anything else? So. I or don't think so. Any closing thoughts or any anything at all?
0: No, I thought, you know, Melissa did an excellent job, uh, you know, yeah. kind of just covering a wide variety of stuff, you know, getting her family involved in the outdoors, telling stories, her favorite memories, and she's got a lot of experience, you know. She's, yep.
1: she's one of those women that, I mean, she gets it done. She's a killer. <laughs> For sure. She's, yeah, my goodness, she's been on a lot of hunts and... Just killed a lot of, a lot of different animals and a lot of big animals too, for yeah, sure. So,
0: definitely.
1: <clears throat> but yeah, I just, I guess the only thing I would add is just, you know, see you guys at the banquet. Make sure you get your tickets sent in and get your rooms if you need a room yep. and all that stuff. So, yeah. No, yeah. Man, uh, so.
0: I guess could I add we got a couple episodes coming up. We're oh, really yeah. excited to get out to. We won't give any spoilers or anything. But yeah. Yeah we going to have some good episodes coming up here. So. Yeah,
1: Get a nice little, uh, some of my dogs in the background to end the episode here. So that's good. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Anyhow, but uh, with that, uh, this is Kyle Klammer,
0: and this is Zach Welch. And this is? The Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll see you at the banquet.